What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. Today is Wednesday, of course, June 5th, and I want to just get clear, clear the air on something. Last week, if your feed or whatever, you're trying to listen to the last podcast and it wasn't working and it kind of seemed something weird was going on, it's because it was, uh, I almost made a colossal mistake and... I was trying to switch like host sites that I um that I use to have the podcasts that are then routed to iTunes or fed into iTunes or Apple Podcasts whatever. Um RIP iTunes by the way. Quick 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 RIP to iTunes. Apple shutting that down. But anyway, uh last week's episode kind of got messed up. It wasn't uh, I don't think it was uploaded for a majority of people because I tried to switch and then I canceled the switch, but it turned out that the switch still happened. So the feed for my podcast on Apple Podcasts was it was a dead feed pretty much. There was nothing being updated. And then uh, I, I corrected the problem and nothing was lost or anything like that, thank God. But... If there was for some reason that you couldn't, you were expecting an episode and it wasn't uploading or anything like that, that is the reason. So I apologize. That won't happen again. All right, let's get into today's episode. We got the NBA Finals, of course, the NHL Finals, the Stanley Cup, and Godzilla. King of the Monsters review. Now, I went to go see two movies within this past week. I went to go see Godzilla on Friday night. And more recently, I went to go see Rocketman with my mother on Monday. And I wrote about Rocketman on my blog. Check it out, johnelgrimaldi.wordpress.com. Also, if you go to my Twitter, I've retweeted it and stuff. I tweeted out from the podcast Twitter account also. So you can go to that if you follow it and click on that link. And I'll also, I'll, I think I'm just going to keep putting the link to the WordPress in the description of each podcast episode as well, just on top of it. So you have that to, to click on also. But I wrote about that on Monday or Tuesday, whatever it was, Tuesday, yesterday. Uh, and today, I decided to save Godzilla because there was a lot I wanted to talk about with this movie. But first, we'll start with the Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup is now tied two games to two. Um, me and my friends had a huge argument about... Like, we weren't big hockey guys, but we had an argument with my friend about how why do you care if Boston loses? And I was just trying to, we were trying to explain why we just don't like Boston sports. We just don't. Like New York and Boston have this kind of inherent rivalry where, you know, you don't really want any of the other teams to to succeed. I'm sure, you know, Boston fans, it's a little bit different. If you're a Bruins fan, you probably don't want the Rangers. I don't know if you really necessarily care about the Islanders that much considering they're never... They're they're usually they're usually not in the playoffs. I mean, this year they had a really good run, um, but they never seem to really pose a threat to the Bruins. 
Uh, I'm sure the the Rangers when they were going to the Stanley Cup a couple year, uh, a few years ago, they were Boston fans weren't thrilled. Uh, basketball also, it's not really a, a a thing right now because the Knicks and the Nets. I mean, the Nets are the Nets, and then the Knicks are just been awful for so long. And what else? Uh, football. I mean, different divisions or different uh, conferences, I should say. The Patriots and the AFC and the Jets. The Patriots just throttle on the Jets. They don't really have to worry about that. But maybe it is one-sided with New York uh, because Boston has just been so successful so for so long, for this past decade pretty much. They probably haven't had to worry, but regardless, I was trying to explain. Uh, we don't like. I don't like Boston sports, and me and my f- other friend who are we're big Yankee fans, we just don't like Boston Red Sox. I I don't really care about the Patriots, um, and it's not really that I hate the Bruins. It's just that I don't like Red Sox fans, and I know that they are also most likely Bruins, Bruins fans. So I just don't want them to win again. Honestly, that's all it is. Uh, spread the wealth. Give St. Louis something. And they're they're making their their push definitely. They lost game one, and then the the Blues came back and tied it up at one apiece. And then Boston came out and kind of throttled them. I mean, not kind of. They did throttle them in game three to take a two to one lead. And then was it last night or two nights ago? I think it was Monday night. Uh St. Louis comes back and wins four to two. So they won game two in overtime. I forgot to mention that almost. I was trying to think, was it game four or game two that they won in overtime? But they get down one nothing and then they win in overtime to make it a one one. Huge win. Huge win. Boston throttles them in game three and then they come back and win four to two. Pretty much had the the Blues had the upper hand almost the entire game. Uh Boston was playing from behind for majority of the minutes. Uh Zidane Chara took a shot to the face uh literally and sl- slight completely sliced open. I don't know if it was his lip or his chin, but the whole lower part of his of his mouth was just bloody and he uh he had to wear like a full face mask for the rest of the game but he didn't really he didn't play at all in the third period so that was definitely a a huge loss for Boston the Blues were able to capitalize and keep their keep their three to two lead and then they ended up scoring a empty net goal with I think a little less than two minutes or around two minutes left in the game so they scored the empty net to make it four to two and Boston doesn't score obviously so now the series is tied Two games apiece, they fi- they enter a best of, what is it, what's it called, best of five now? No, best of three, what am I talking, best of three series. Uh, first one to get two more wins, wins, obviously. So that series is tight, it's looking like it can go seven. Uh, I mean, Boston had two convincing wins, but then right after that, the next night, the Blues came back and won pivotal games. So, credit to the Blues for being, they're just very resilient. And they've showed that pretty much throughout the playoffs. The, the Bruins have had, not a cakewalk, but aside from that 
what was it, the the first series they had where they went six games, or said they went seven games. After that, it's been it's been a little bit of a cakewalk. You know, I think they they disassembled the the Blue Jackets, so they're being tested here by the Blues, and good for them. I mean, I want the Blues to win. Boston has been they they've throttled St. Louis sports teams in the past. To be fair, so. The Blues to get one would be great for them. Uh, what is it? Let's see. I'm trying to pull up what happened here. Ah, Boston beat the Maple Leafs. Yeah, that was it. All right, so I was right. The first round, Boston beat the Maple Leafs in seven games. I was trying to think of what round it was that they were actually challenged, and it was against the, the Maple Leafs in round one. Anyway, that's shaping up to go seven. The NBA playoffs, the finals... Hopefully, that also goes seven. I would like to see that prolonged as long as possible. Uh, the series is ter- currently tied at one. I don't know how I feel about so many. There's so many days in between games now. It, it's kind of annoying, but whatever. Toronto wins game one convincingly by nine points. Pascal Siakam was. An absolute freak. He was all over the court defensively. He was shot, I think it was 14 of 17 from the field. 30-something points. A game where Kawhi didn't have his best stuff. Kawhi hasn't really had it. I mean, he he scored 30 uh, in game two in the loss, but he he hasn't seemed to be 100% healthy. It looks like his legs are kind of a little bit shy, and I guess that's what happens when you're playing like so viciously both sides of the court. I don't know. But hopefully he he gets back to his is the form he had against the Sixers. Pascal Siakam struggled in Game Two, uh, and Game One I think it was because you know the the Raptors played a great game. They played a stellar game defensively. Their switches were all over the place. Marcus Saul, I'm falling in love with him this series. He did a, a fantastic job stepping up to double Steph Curry when they ran a high pick and roll, and he. I think swatted the ball out of Steph's hands at least three times when he uh, when they they trapped him on the double for the the pick and roll, and their switches have just been excellent. Uh, Toronto, all five of their guys, maybe not Mark on like say Steph or Clay, but anyone else. I mean, they can pretty much switch with anybody. You know, any any position can really guard anyone, minus obviously Kyle Lowry. With but yeah, he can guard. Any other guard. Uh, he's just a strong... He's maybe a little undersized, but he's a strong dude. So in that aspect, the Raptors really, they were fantastic. And then they capitalized on all the shots that the... The Warriors gave up a lot of open shots to the Raptors in Game 1. That being said, Steve Curry is a great coach. And you're not going to beat the Warriors twice the same way. Um... So, game two, DeMarcus Cousins stepped up. Uh, he had a great game. He had a double-double. He's been really good in the minutes that he's played. Uh, I, I don't think he's played... I think he's played less than 30 minutes. He might have played more in, in game two. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but in the minutes he has been on the court, he has been a much-needed boost for the Warriors. So, they came out... They came out slow. Let's not get it twisted. They came out slow. 
The Raptors capitalized. They had a double-digit lead at one point, but by half, the Warriors had cut it to five. And then, including the last, so they scored the last two points in the first half. And then they scored the next 18 in the third quarter. So a 20-0 run that they went on. The Raptors didn't score a bucket for the first, like, seven minutes of the third quarter. It was outrageous. It was either the first seven minutes or until, or they didn't score until the seven-minute mark. But it was a long drought for the Raptors, something that you just simply cannot do against the Golden State Warriors. And that's what, I mean, it, it, ha- it has happened so many times. The third quarter Golden State Warriors are probably their deadliest form. I mean, they they stay close in the half. Even if they're down 10, that's still close. It doesn't matter. And Steve Kerr comes out. He, he goes in the locker room and whatever, if it's all the players powwowing or plus Steve Kerr or Steve Kerr just taking the reins and everyone just shuts up and listens, Whatever they're doing in the locker room for their halftime adjustment adjustments, they come out blazing hot in the third quarter a lot. And it happened in the finals here. And if you if you want to win the NBA finals, if you're Toronto, you can't you can't allow the Royals to go on an 18-0 run. It just it cannot happen because you're going to lose nine times out of ten. Andre Iguodala had a great game. Um, he hit that big shot, which is was kind of a debate whether it was a good shot or a bad shot. During the broadcast, Jeff Van Gundy was saying that was an awful shot. He should have waited at least two or three more seconds to shoot. Mark Jackson said it was a good shot. And Jeff Van Gundy accused him of just... He's saying you're just commenting after the fact. Because it went in, you're saying it was a good shot. If it didn't go in, we would be saying that is a terrible shot by Andre Iguodala. But that didn't happen. Shot went in. It was a dagger. Uh, If you didn't watch the game, the Warriors were only up two with about, I don't know what it was, 10-something seconds left, 15 seconds left. The Raptors didn't foul. Iguodala got the ball with about five on the shot clock, and he took the three and nailed it to make it a five-point game with, like, four seconds left. My friend said maybe he should have just held the ball for a couple more seconds and then just chucked it into the air. Yeah, that probably could have worked, but whatever. In the moment, Iguodala got the ball, he was wide open, and he took the shot, and he made it. So that that's that. Uh, it's a good shot, I guess. He made it, so it is what it is. Another thing about Iguodala that I wanna I wanna talk about. He was asked a couple days ago, and it was brought up in my group chat. Also, do you care about being in the Hall of Fame? And Iguodala, I can't find it right now, but he said, "Oh yeah, here it is." He said, "I don't care. One day you're replaced. Then it's a some other motherfucker in there." And another after that, nobody remembers anything. None of it matters. So, he said that about his his chances if he'll make the Hall of Fame. Um, 
One guy comments, Schultz report, uh, Jordan Schultz. He commented, Iggy belongs in the Hall of Fame. Robert Ory, the Robert Ory of this generation, but better. Just a great, great player. And Robert Ory, big shot Bob, for those who don't know, um, was also known for making very clutch shots. However, his statistics weren't Hall of Fame level. I mean, he's not in the Hall of Fame, is my point. He's not in the Hall of Fame, but he is a guy who a lot of people think should be in the Hall of Fame just because of his clutch factor. Um, again, he's not. Iguodala, we had this conversation, and then my friend started you know, comparing Iguodala to Manu Ginobili, and if you take international play into account, Ginobili is a surefire Hall of Famer. Uh, Iguodala, two all-defensive teams, one all-star appearance, He's averaged single digits for the past five years. He has a finals MVP. So there there are a lot of things that you can point to and be like, none of these get you into the Hall of Fame. But there are also things that he has and moments that he has that you can point to and say, this is a Hall of Fame caliber play or player or achievement, whatever. It Listen. Iguodala is not getting in because he was an offensive juggernaut. He's just not. And a lot of times rings don't matter, right? For guys like Tracy McGrady or Grant Hill, you know, rings don't matter. Uh, Grant Hill was dominant for the first, you know, whatever it was, four or five years he was in the league before injuries robbed him, plus his collegiate career. That got him into the Hall of Fame. Tracy McGrady was one of the greatest scorers of my generation, of all time, period. That gets him in, even though he didn't make it out of the first round of the playoffs. And I love Tracy McGrady, but you don't make it out of the first round of the playoffs. You have to be really, 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 really good to even get into the Hall of Fame. And here he is in the Hall of Fame. Iguodala is not like that. He's not on that level. But he has rings. He's known for his defense. He's a lockdown defender. He is a two-time all-defensive uh, all team. He is a finals MVP. He has three uh, three rings, possibly a fourth upcoming if they win this year. Um, he has been a key role player to this Golden State dynasty. He has hit clutch shots. These are all things that you can make in his argument. That being said, my argument was... If Ben Wallace, who is a he's a one-time NBA champion with the Pistons, he's a four-time Defensive Player of the Year award, which is more impressive than any all the I don't even know how many all defensive teams he's made. I should check. Let's see. Ben Wallace. And my point was if Ben Wallace is not in the Hall of Fame because he was an ex an outstanding rebounder and defender. If he's not in the Hall of Fame yet, I hope one day he'll get to, he gets in. I think he deserves it. But if he's not in the Hall of Fame, it's it's just it doesn't make you know you gotta he's gotta be in the Hall of Fame. That's all I'm saying. If if he's if he's not in the Hall of Fame, then I don't think Iguodala has a chance either. That's my point. It doesn't say this on his basketball reference page, so I'm trying to find it. 
all of his accomplishments. First of all, Ben Wallace, undrafted. And to have the career he had was ridiculous. Okay. He won... Uh, he didn't win... He, he won Depoy four times in five years. He won in 02, 03, 05, and 06. They won the NBA championship in 04. He was a four-time NBA All-Star, three-time All-NBA second team, two-time All-NBA third team, five-time NBA All-Defensive first team, one-time All-NBA defensive second team, two-time NBA rebounder, NBA blocks leader one time. He's the all-time leader in blocks for the Pistons. He's the all-time rebounder uh, in the playoffs for the Pistons. His number three is retired. Listen, his stats aren't like great. He averaged six points a game, nine and a half rebounds, and two blocks. That's that's his. But like, if Dennis Rodman is in there and Ben Wallace is this pretty much the same kind of player, I think he deserves to be in there. I mean, if you ask me who I'd rather have, Dennis Rodman or or Ben Wallace, I'd probably say I'd, I'd say Dennis Rodman. But that's not the point. The point is. They're very, they're almost identical players in how they played, and both of them are undersized. Ben Wallace was played center; he was only six foot nine, and he guarded, you know, huge dudes. I don't know. I, I think if Ben Wallace isn't in, that's my biggest gripe. I really think Ben Wallace deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, if you couldn't tell already. But if he isn't in, then Iguodala doesn't get in either. That's just something I need to get off my chest because would I like to see Iguodala in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, but I'm not sure if it happens. Anyway, back to the actual NBA Finals. Uh, couple questionables for tonight, which I, again, Game th- Three, almost forgot. I was gonna say Game Four. Game Three in Oakland, so they're back in the in the states. You got two here, and then they head back to Toronto. Possibly. or No, they definitely head back to Toronto. Uh, Toronto just needs one of these games. They just need one. And I think they have a good shot to do it. This is the night. If they're going to do it, it's it's tonight. Clay Thompson is a game-time decision. I don't know if they made any announcements. Whether he's going to play or not, I'm pretty sure he's a game-time decision, as is Kevin Durant. I haven't seen anything about whether Durant or Thompson is going to play tonight. Thompson, if you didn't watch the game, he took a shot, uh, a three-point shot, and when he landed, he kind of did the splits. He did the splits, and he was grabbing at his left hamstring. He left the game. Uh, I believe this was in the early in the fourth quarter, late in the third quarter, but he did the splits. He had a hamstring injury, and he was limping off the court. He seemed visibly upset. He did not return to the game, and CBS Sports has this article just from the headline: Clay Thompson wants to play through pain in Game Three, uh, but he knows the risks said there's a fine line between playing through pain and exposing himself to further injury. So, we don't know. This says, CBS Sports says, Warriors' Kevin Durant won't play in Game 3. That was 22 hours ago. 
So I don't know. I, I mean, I guess Durant's out. Thompson, game time decision. And it's risky because hamstrings are nothing to mess with, man. We saw Chris Paul, kind of the same injury last year in the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors. He missed two games because of his, his hamstring injury. And they're tough. They're tough, man. Uh, if Clay isn't 100%, if he can run up and down a court without feeling pain, I don't know. I think he gives it a go. I would hate to see him play and then further injure himself. It, it, I, that's the last thing anybody wants to see. Um, he might sit out this game. I, I don't know. But if he does, that is a huge problem. Uh, DeMarcus, I mean, the Warriors have the benefit of DeMarcus Cousins, who seems to be pretty healthy, but who knows if he can pick up even more of a load if Klay Thompson goes down and doesn't play. You have to think the primary focus would just be to completely smother Steph Curry and let anyone, literally anyone else beat you. Let Draymond Green beat you from, from three or something like that or DeMarcus Cousins, someone. I mean, the if Klay Thompson's out, Steph Curry being by him, his lonesome it could prove to be a huge problem for the Warriors. Um, again, it said Durant's out for this game. I don't know if he comes back for game four. It's it's a lot of questionable. It's a tough tough decisions to make for Steve Kerr and the Warriors, and even you know Durant and Thompson. I'm sure Clay wants to go out there. If if Clay and Durant are out, I mean the Raptors have to capitalize. They have to. And if they if they somehow don't win tonight, and Thompson and Durant are out. You might as well not even show up for the rest of the series. It would be that bad. Like, you have to capitalize. I'm very much looking forward to this game tonight. I uh, I don't know what's going to happen, man. I don't know. It all depends. It really all hangs on Clay Thompson. It all hangs on Clay Thompson because if the injury really is that bad, you know, why risk further messing yourself up for the future? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a tough, tough situation to be in. All right, let's get into this movie review. This movie was very poorly written. I mean, listen, it's Godzilla. The only reason... I want to go see this movie is to see Godzilla fight other monsters. That is the only reason you should be going to see this movie because the CGI is incredible. The Godzilla and the other monsters look great. King Ghidorah is the big bad guy. Mothra's in it. Rodan's in it. Those are pretty much the four guys. There's a couple other dudes in there. I don't know who they are. Uh, one looks like kind of like a woolly mammoth-esque creature, and the other one is just a giant spider. Um... But other than those two, the other three monsters are Ghidorah, Mothra, Rodan. Very cool. Monster fights were great. Uh, the monsters looked great. The script was awful. 
<laughs> it was it was so bad. It starts off with so Kyle Chandler was in Godzilla one, um, and his his ex wife or now ex wife I guess Emma created this this machine to give out a frequency of an alpha titan, which is what these monsters are called. And it would allow them to kind of control other beta titans who would be like, oh my god, there's an alpha in the area. Uh, like, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not going to do anything stupid. Emma takes this. She gets quote-unquote captured because she's not really captured. Uh, she gets captured by the guy who plays Tywin Lannister. I don't even know. I don't know a lot of the names of the characters in this movie. But she gets captured and she releases Ghidorah. And it turns out that she actually wants to release all of the Titans so she can bring balance to the Earth and restore order because humans are killing the planet. Sounds a lot like Thanos. She talked a lot about balance. I thought it was hilarious. I leaned over my friend. I was like, this chick is literally Thanos. It was ridiculous. Her reasoning was so stupid. So she releases the biggest big bad in the planet, Ghidorah, who is also revealed to be an alien. He's not from this planet, which is why Godzilla is the true alpha. He's the only shot of actually beating Ghidorah. And the, the parallels to Thanos were just nuts. You know, there's overpopulation. We're destroying the planet. We need to bring balance and be grateful afterwards. Like, oh my god. <laughs> like... It's copy and paste. Not only that, but when they go to find, I believe it's Kyle Chandler's character, when they go to find him to help them locate uh, their device that allows them to communicate with people, I think it's called the Orca. Um, when they go to find him to locate the Orca, he's in a log cabin, and I swear to God, it is the same exact cabin on the lake that they go to find Tony Stark in in Avengers Endgame. I swear to God, it's the same shot, it's the same lake, it's the same uh, cabin. It's the same one. I will, I bet my life on it. Actually, I'm going to do it right now. Let's go, let's go, let's go on the internet. Let's see. Cabin in Godzilla. Same as Endgame. Let's see, let's see if anything comes up. Okay, hold on. Here it is. Is the dad's cabin in Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the same cabin Tony Stark and his family lived in in Avengers? Oh my god, okay, this guy is stupid. It's it's literally so similar. This guy's like went into so much detail saying, like, no, actually, Tony Stark has a bunch of armor in the in the basement. Like, okay, dude, relax. Uh this one's saying they're both filled. If they were both filmed in Georgia, then yeah, I think it's the same one. Yeah, but I, I mean, it, it looks. I mean, it looks exactly the same. That, partnered with, this crazy, uh, this crazy chick Emma that you know the ex-wife, is, trying to restore balance to the earth and all that mumbo jumbo. Uh, the, the parallels to Avengers was a little too much for me, honestly. It, it, there's, there's just so many ridiculous parts. 
the humans, first of all, are like cocky, confident that they could somehow just kill all these monsters, which I, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. It, it was pretty weird. Like there was a lot of um, like Mary Sue moments with Millie Bobby Brown's character where she just like she's super tech savvy. Like, all right, whatever. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Ghidorah was sick, though. I mean, listen, I can... I don't want to spend the whole time just nitpicking the plot because, it, like I said, you don't go to see this movie for the plot. You go to see the giant monsters fighting each other. And those were sick. But a lot of... There was a couple of jump scares that were very predictable. And me and my friend, we were, like, sitting next to each other. And something would happen. And we're like, and Godzilla comes in three, two, one, And then <laughs> Godzilla would come swooping across the screen. Or we were like, jump scare in three, two, one, jump scare from Godzilla. It was very predictable. And and, and if you don't take it seriously, you'll be laughing the entire movie and just being like, what the fuck am I watching? But then the monsters come on the scene and, on, on the screen and start fighting each other. And you're like, ah, yes, of course, this is what I paid for. And <laughs> I think the funniest part out of all of this bad writing was... Godzilla, so they, Godzilla and Ghidorah were fighting, and they sent pretty much a nuke, or it's an oxygen-depleting nuke that when it explodes, it it takes out all the oxygen in the air. And they shot it underwater to kill Godzilla and Ghidorah, and it ends up only putting Godzilla in a near-death state. They thought he was dead, turns out he wasn't, but Ghidorah lives because he's an alien, and he doesn't need oxygen. And he starts... And he becomes like the quote-unquote alpha for a little bit. But Godzilla ends up retreating through these underground tunnels in the sea that allow him to get from one place to the other extremely quickly. They're pretty much like wormholes inside the Earth. Um, so that's kind of their reasoning for Godzilla being able to travel from halfway across the world to one spot within, you know, a couple minutes is that there's these under underwater tunnels that are extremely quick. Turns out in one of those tunnels there's like a huge sunken city of ancient civilization with all these carvings on the wall about Godzilla and Ghidorah and all these titan monsters and it's pretty much just a giant radiation pit where he goes to sleep for years and years and years on end. To regain him, to regain uh, his health and his energy, pretty much. And they were like, "Oh, so we just let him sleep for a little bit, right? And he'll be back on his feet." And it's like, "No, this could take years. We have to pretty much supercharge him." So they take a nuke, and the only way to go there is for someone to self-detonate it, of course. Or they're trying to figure out what happens. And my my buddy leans over to me. And he's like, "Self-sacrifice is coming up right now." And then, you know, Ken Watanabe's character, shout out Ken Watanabe, he's like, I'll do it. And he's the one who sacrifices himself by detonating the nuke. Really, I mean, uh, it's a predictable moment, but very cool moment because Ken Watanabe has been in a, a few Godzilla films. And by a few, I mean a lot. And he's very much associated with Godzilla. And he goes down there, he primes the nuke. And he walks, he takes off his helmet and he walks over to Godzilla, who opens his eyes and sees Watanabe. God, he touches Godzilla's uh, 
nose or face, whatever. And in Japanese, he says, goodbye, old friend. And the nuke explodes. And, you know, a couple minutes later, Godzilla comes shooting up out of the sea and he's all good. And the movie ends with this sick fight scene. Godzilla is pretty much supercharged at this point. He's a walking nuke. And when he goes to kill Ghidorah, he's walking towards him. And he's radiating so much because he's about to explode. He uses like a discharge attack where he pretty much just shoots radiation pulses at uh, Ghidorah. And he's so hot that when he's walking, buildings are literally melting into nothing. It was super, super cool. Um, He ends up exploding and then just like pretty much eating Ghidorah and then holding one of his Ghidorah's heads in his mouth and fucking shooting his fire breath at him. Oh, man, it was super cool. Anyway, the movie itself was awful. The action was sick. Now, they're going to tie it in, or they did tie it in, uh, with the... The first set of credit scenes was a bunch. It was a lot of newspaper clippings and other things like that, showing what's going on around the world. And then the end credit scene happened, of of course. Um, but this movie hammers home Skull Island and Kong. I mean, they mention it at least six times. Skull Island, not necessarily Kong, but Skull Island at least six times. And even in the the first set of credit scenes, one of the the headlines that stuck out to me was that. Security was reinforced around Skull Island. Now, of course, the next movie is going to be Kong versus Godzilla. And they're setting it up in a way that, I mean, Kong's just going to escape Skull Island and travel to, you know, the States and meet with Godzilla. And they'll probably fight it out. And then a big bad guy will emerge while they'll have to team up and kill him and then realize, hey, maybe we can both coexist as alphas. Now, right now, the end credit scene set it up where Tywin Lannister's character is given a severed head from Ghidorah because earlier in the movie, in uh, Godzilla and Ghidorah's first encounter, he rips off one of Ghidorah's heads and then later Ghidorah, it's, you know, he regrows his head. He can regrow his heads. Um, or bo- I guess, I assume all body parts can regrow, not just one of his three heads. But anyway, that severed head, that original severed head was recovered and Tywin Lannister, I keep I'm going to keep calling him Tywin Lannister cuz I don't know his actor's name or the character's name. But he takes the head and that kind of my friend, you know, uh said, "Oh, they're setting up for Mecha Ghidorah, which is just a giant ro- reanimated robot version of Ghidorah." Now, there's a few other YouTube videos that I watched that mention a whole slew of other possibilities um, for villains, for Kong and Godzilla to fight. As the end credit scene shows, this seems to be the most likely one, is just Mecha Ghidorah, where it would take Godzilla and Kong to defeat him. Because it took a, a supercharged Godzilla to defeat Ghidorah the first time, so I assume, you know, a... a pimped out robot version of him would probably take more than just Godzilla. Kong also, you have to remember in in Skull Island the movie, he was just uh he was described as just a child, but that took place in the 60s or 70s, I believe. So now 
present day, he's been on there for he's been on Skull Island for more decades now. And he's probably a full grown man. So he'll most likely be the size of Godzilla. Just so how that explains it all. Uh, that it kind of explains how Kong, you know, went from being so small to so big is that if you remember, he was described as being a child. So now he's full grown. I'm curious to see how they get him off of Skull Island. Maybe he just goes completely nuts and kills all the security or reinforcements around Skull Island and swims to the U.S. Who knows? But I'm definitely looking forward to that movie. The fights in that will be epic. Anyway, I think that'll wrap it up for this episode of From My Point of View. Once again, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday. Enjoy the NBA Finals. Uh, I don't know how many games are going to be played between now and next week. Definitely two, possibly three. I don't know the schedule. Uh, But we'll talk about it all uh, next Wednesday. Also, mm, I don't know. I'll probably write a blog about X-Men Dark Phoenix because I'm going to see it Friday. So watch out for my blog there for another movie review. Uh, I'll leave the link in the description for this podcast. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a nice weekend. I'll talk to you guys next Wednesday.